In God's word, we are familiar with numerous commands, things that we are to do in faithful service to him. And some commands are more challenging than others at different times in our lives. But one of those commands that it seems to me is sometimes easier than others is the command to sing praises. We enjoy singing about our God. We enjoy singing about his church. We enjoy singing about his people and about the kinds of things that he wants us to do. And I am thankful that this is a group that is not bashful about singing about God and the praises to him. And we have engaged in that today as well as a opportunity to remember the Lord's Supper and the communion with one another and with our God. I invite you to take your Bibles this morning and open, if you would, to the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. We're going to spend a fair amount of our time in Ezekiel 22, but we'll spend a few moments in Ezekiel 1 in just a moment. Thank you so much for being here. As we talk this morning about the gap in the wall and then dot, 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 you are needed. You know, one of the things that we ended with in our Bible class this morning was the concept that we are a team, that we are all working in concert with one another and with our God, and that every person who is here this morning is valuable to someone else and is valuable to the church and is valuable in the community in trying to teach and to live in a way that pleases our God. And I want us to use a verse, a single verse in Ezekiel 22 to help illustrate that point, which we'll get to that in just a couple of moments. But I want to start in Ezekiel chapter 1 and just read the first three verses to set the stage for our study together today. The book of Ezekiel is a lengthy book in the Old Testament. He's one of the major prophets who wrote about the condition of God's people as a result of sin and captivity. We are familiar with much in the book of Ezekiel. We're certainly familiar with the Valley of the Dry Bones. We're familiar with chapter 18. And we might be familiar with chapter 22 as well. But we will be more familiar with it today than we would have been otherwise. It came to pass in the 30th uh, sorry, in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Shebar, uh, the heavens were open, verse 1, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Shebar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there." And so those are the introductory words to the book of Ezekiel, which share with us that Ezekiel is going to be a spokesman for God in a time of difficulty. Many ways you could say that about Jeremiah. You could say that about a number of prophets and other individuals in biblical times. Ezekiel was one of these captives in the city of Babylon or in the province of Babylon and had his freedoms taken away and things that transpired that were difficult for him to witness. And sometimes we are like Ezekiel as well when we live in a world that is filled with iniquity and we are surrounded by people that we care about and people that care about us and we're trying our very best to influence them for good. 
And we're surrounded by so much wickedness. You know, it's a long book, as I made reference to a few moments ago. And if you go to the very last couple of verses of Ezekiel chapter 48, it ends with hope and it ends with renewal. But in between, Ezekiel details a number of the reasons why God's people have found themselves in the position, namely, because of sin. I suppose one could say that every sermon is about sin. Sometimes someone will say, what are you going to preach about tomorrow? What are you going to preach about next week? Sin. (laughs) Because that's all we talk about is sin and how to avoid it and how to please our God by not being involved in it. And that's a rightful use of our time together. But I want to go to chapter 22 and we're going to focus in on verse 13. But I want to read verses 23 and following to find the scene that Ezekiel describes where there is this gap in the wall and there's this wanton gap wherein he's trying to find someone to fill the gap in the wall. And beginning in verse 23, the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, and said, Son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbath, so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets, verse 28, plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions, divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God when the Lord had not spoken. The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and the needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Therefore... I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. And I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. This is a very sad passage. You know, you can say that a number of passages throughout some of the major prophets are sad passages. And rightly so. Because you see where Ezekiel here is saying, I'm looking for someone to change the trajectory of the course on which we are charted. Things are not looking good because of what the spiritual leadership and religious folk are doing and because those who are following are refusing to stand up and to do what is right. Things that are called holy are now unholy and things that are unholy are called holy. It reminds me in many ways of Isaiah chapter 5. Woe unto those who call evil good and those who call good evil. And Ezekiel says, I'm looking for someone to stand up. Anybody out there? Is there anybody that is willing to stand up and do what is right? And then in one of the saddest phrases in all the book of Ezekiel, I found no one. We sometimes feel the same way. We feel like Elijah. I alone am left. There's nobody else out there to serve God. 
The priests, verse 26, had violated the law. And when you have the priests who are in violation of the law, you have a serious problem because they are the ones who are supposed to set the examples. I suppose it's not the greatest correlation or the best parallel, but what would be the effect of our local shepherds being involved in evil and violating God's laws? I mean, it would be detrimental to this church and detrimental to every one of us as Christians if our three shepherds just threw caution to the wind and said, we're going to do whatever we want to do and we no longer care about what God's Word says. Whether that be in our work as being pastors of this local church or in being individual Christians. That would be devastating and be a blow to each of us when the priests or those who are supposed to be leading and shepherding and teaching have violated God's laws. Then notice verse 27 where it says, The princes are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. They were selfish in their actions. So you have one group of leaders who are acting inappropriately only to then be up the the situation where another group of leaders and those who are supposed to be examples are doing wrong as well. And then, what does he say? The prophets were lying and they were actually in the process of covering up the mistakes of the people seemingly unwilling to rock the boat. You see the scene that's being painted here by Ezekiel? And then with this poor leadership, the people followed the examples of those men. That's why having faithful elders, having faithful members of the Lord's church are so essential Because we are all, as we said, in this together, working in concert. And when the spiritual leadership falls apart, it gives a cue to those who are following that it must be okay to just act however we want. The preacher's talking that way. I can talk that way. The deacons are going to those places. I can go to those places. And if the elders act that way, I can act however I want. And so what I want us to focus on today is really in verse 30. And if that's a verse that you want to either memorize or write down on an index card or a post-it note and maybe really reflect on this week and say, I'll be the one that will stand in the gap. I'll be the one that will be there to stand up for what is right. I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found No one. I want us to make a series of observations today about these gaps and about working together and about the idea that all of us and any of us can be the ones that stand up in the way of that gap. Number one, I want us to acknowledge that gaps are the result of sin. If you read the preceding 21 chapters, you see even uglier texts. You see where people have been misdirected because of spiritual leadership. You see where they have uh, rebelled against the Lord. You see where they have given up on God. You see where they are listening to false teachers, false proverbs, false prophets. All these things are happening in the preceding chapters of Ezekiel. And he finally gets to this place in chapter 22. And Ezekiel says, I'm seeking someone, anyone anybody out there to stand up for what is right. But everyone had let down their guard, the leaders and the followers, and the result was sin. 
And the application for us is clear. We can never let down our guard. It's one of the reasons why local shepherds lose sleep. It's one of the reasons why they are maybe sometimes a bit concerned or, shall we say, anxious for the flock. Because it just takes one person to speak untruth, someone else to be moved beyond that, and then for it to then transpire in the church and take over like cancer or gangrene as is taught in the New Testament. And there are individuals on that note who are present here this morning, who I am confident, who you may only be 20 years old, maybe in your 30s or 40s or 50s, and you're contemplating serving as a shepherd at one point, whether that would be here or elsewhere in the Lord's kingdom. And this is not to dissuade you from thinking about that particular work. In fact, I would argue that if someone is planning to serve, is hoping at some point to serve in the capacity as an elder, and he's not thinking about that in his 20s or 30s or 40s, that he may, and I'll put an asterisk next to that, not be qualified in the first place. You see, it's not the kind of thing you think about and say, oh, I want to be a leader. I want to be a servant leader. But I haven't thought about that. And someone just approached me, I'll go and give it some thought. And I'll think about it for a week. (laughs) That's not the way it works. The fact is, is when leaders let down their guard, the followers do the same. This was, without a doubt, a very familiar scene in the Old Testament. We could spend countless moments talking about that, but I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 56 and just very briefly look at verse 10, where it says, Isaiah 56 verse 10, where he says in a section about the irresponsible leadership of those who were in charge, It says in verse 9, All you beasts of the field come to devour all you beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. If that is the description of leaders in a local church, it is a local church that is either dead or dying. We do not want leaders those who are serving in that capacity to be familiar with that text in terms of applying it. And the fact is, is our individual lives can have gaps if we're not careful. I appreciate our good brother reading from Ephesians chapter 5 verses 13 through 17. And particularly verse 15, which we talked about a little bit in our Bible class this morning. See then that you walk circumspectly, redeeming the time because the days are evil, Paul says to the church at Ephesus. You see, our individual lives can have gaps if we're not careful. And we can be individuals who need to stand up in those gaps. But instead, what we often do is we just relax and take it easy and take the road that everybody else takes. It's for us to make the tough choices to stand up to do what is right, even when no one else is willing to do so. And let me suggest from a collective point of view that we need to acknowledge that local congregations can have gaps as well. Turn over, if you would, to a familiar passage, most likely to you in Acts chapter 20 and verses 28 through 31. And this is not so much a sermon about elders or about leadership, but it just seems that there's so much to be said for good leadership, for good shepherding based on this particular passage. But in chapter 20 and verse 28, something is said here that I think we need to remember as members, 
as those who serve as shepherds, as anybody in between. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this. He says, I don't think this. I know this. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Parentheses. Doing the same things that were taught in Ezekiel 22. Close parentheses. For I know also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Again, going back to Isaiah chapter 56, going back to passages in Ezekiel, going back to other places throughout Old Testament scripture, those who are shepherds are watchmen. They are there to stand strong, to watch for dangers, and to prevent those dangers from infiltrating the local church. But as we sometimes say, that is not just the responsibility of those who shepherd. Each of us have the responsibility of being men and women who are constantly making sure that we are living right and that we are then sharing that message of the importance of living right with our brothers and sisters as well. So first and foremost, gaps are the result of sin. But secondly, when we close the gaps, when we stand up for what is right, chances are people in the world are going to get angry with us. Because they're not happy with our example of what is good. Closing gaps or making real improvements, getting stronger, growing to a more, uh, a higher level of maturity are really exciting opportunities for us. But not for the enemies of righteousness. It's, it's kind of ironic. The more we grow and the stronger we become... And the more faithful we grow as Christians, the world gets more discouraged by our ways. What we are seeking are people in the world who get encouraged by our ways, who are those sincere seekers of the word, who will understand that they're setting an example. There's something different about them. Consider, if you would, the book of Nehemiah in chapter 4, verse 7. We recently studied the book of Nehemiah. Uh, about a year ago and we had a good study in that particular text and there it was in chapter 4 and verse 7 when after verse 6 where it says the people had a mind to work it says now it happened in verse 7 that Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed that they became what? Very angry. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7. Now, I understand that in Nehemiah chapter 4, we're talking about a literal wall with literal gaps. But the parallels and the applications are absolutely and abundantly clear to anybody. It's as if one preacher says, if you can see through a barrel with both ends knocked out, you can see this. You can see that this is true, that we have to make sure that we do what is right even if others get angry because of us. Our worldly friends might not be excited to hear that we're no longer going to and you fill in the blank. 
Maybe it's a particular location where sinful things happen. Maybe it's an activity where sinful thoughts transpire. Maybe it's some sort of a specific place where you used to go physically before you were a Christian. But now you say, I can't do that anymore. Like, what do you mean you can't do that anymore? You've done that for the last 15 years that I've known you. You know, ever since you've become a Christian, you've changed. Now that's a compliment. That's what we want people to say about us. We want them to see a difference in the way that we conduct ourselves. Because we are no longer of the world, but we are of the Lord. And remember that this is part of the plan of Christ for us, as illustrated in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Where he says, blessed are you when they revile you or persecute you. You might even put up to, to your margin, they're angry with me because I've stood in the gaps. They say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's okay if people get angry with you because you are doing what is right. And to those of you that are very young... Maybe you're thinking about becoming a Christian in the next year or so as you get a little bit older. Maybe you've just recently become a Christian in the last few years. Maybe you're young in the faith. There are going to be times where people, rather than cheering you on for doing what is right, which is what we do as a band of disciples, they will denigrate you. They will make you feel bad. They will make fun of you because of your faith. Don't let that discourage you. Remember that that happened to the earliest of the prophets. It happened in the time of Jesus. It will happen in our own time as well. Thirdly, we have to work together. We talked about that in our Bible class this morning. And we talked about the cast of characters that are involved in working and making sure that any organization, any church, any family works well together. Very few important things get done wherein one person does what he wants or needs to do, but rather teamwork is essential. Ezekiel was seeking someone to work on, quote, behalf of the land. And that's what we're seeking as well. You know, this is not a group of individual Christians who are all doing their own things, but we are, as we said at the outset of our study this morning, we are working in concert with one another. And it is amazing. And if you want to sit down sometime and, and listen to the elders talk about it, or, or David or, or myself, we sometimes see things that you maybe do not see. People doing work. People who are physically working here in the facility. People who are working in the kingdom. People who are studying with individuals. People who are writing notes and who are making calls and taking people to doctor's offices or taking people to the airport and making sure that things get done. There are lots of things behind the scene that people are doing. And if you think that I'm not able to do the good again as we close in our Bible class this morning, go to the elders and say, is there something that I can do to serve? I guarantee they're not going to say, just can't think of anything. You've, you've stumped me. I'm puzzled. I don't know what it is you do. They may have someone particularly that you can encourage, someone that you can particularly pray for, or some issue that you can particularly help with, because teamwork is essential. If sin 
is allowed within, quote, the ranks, as was certainly rampant in Ezekiel 22, it has a great and damning power. That was the case in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. And Paul let him have it. In 1 Corinthians 5, he says, you ought to be ashamed of your behavior. And instead, what you are doing is you are priding yourself on being so accepting and tolerant of that which is wrong. He says, I don't want you to do that because when you do that, the church loses its identity as that which is special. And secondly, that negative influence on others increases. And isn't that why sometimes individuals will come forward as members of this congregation and say, you know what? I've done wrong. Uh, I'm not right. I've made a mistake. And I don't want that to reflect poorly on the rest of you. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why an individual may come forward and confess his or her sin so that the whole group is not tainted accordingly. Which brings me to this fourth and final observation, and that is anybody, and I mean anybody, can stand in the gap. Going back to verse 30 of Ezekiel 22, Ezekiel sought a man out of this important group of men. He was looking at the priests. He was looking at the prophets. He was looking at the princes, saying, is there anyone, anybody out there that's willing to stand up and to do what is right and refuse to do what is wrong? and rebelling against God, and he had zero success. Again, one of the saddest passages in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 22, verse 30, I found no one. But you know what's surprising? Is many times, those that you'd least expect to stand up to serve are the ones who stand up and make all the difference. I don't know how many times in my lifetime that whether it be in the church, whether it be in a personal situation where I thought, how in the world is this going to get done? And then someone else stands up and says, I can make that happen. You mean you can make that happen? How are you going to do that? Oh, it's simple. No problem at all. You know, I think about when uh, I was talking about this just a couple of days ago with someone that when we have individuals who are sick or go through surgeries or have difficulties and, and there are individuals who prepare meals. When Wendy had her surgery, she loved it so much she's going to have another one. We had people coming into our house with box loads of food, strawberry parfaits this tall. Wendy didn't get any of it. I ate it all. We had people who were doing so many nice things for us, as has happened for Miss Glenda and so many others on a routine basis, as we read her card earlier today. And I remember saying things like, this is spectacular. How nice of you to do this. How wonderful of you to do this. And people's response was almost 100% the same. No big deal. Happy to do it. If I were to do that, that would be a big deal. If I ever come to you with that kind of box load of food that I've made myself, first of all, be very surprised and two, be very worried <laughs> about eating it. I might get you a gift card. I might order you pizza. I might make something that I think is edible, but someone else would say not, not quite. You see, those little things that you do 
stepping up and serving in the gap are big things to other people. And to the person who's gone through the surgery, to the person who just lost a loved one, and now there's a funeral service and all the planning that goes along with that, that is difficult. And you stepping up to make the difference is standing in the gap. Yes, it may not be defeating sin in the boldest of ways, but you're serving where you can. And that's what matters. And that's exactly what Moses did. That's exactly what Aaron did. I want to look at two passages before we wrap up today. One is in Psalm 106 and the other is in the book of Numbers. In Psalm 106, in verse 23. Psalm 106, verse 23. It says, Therefore he said that he would destroy them. Remember this was God speaking about Israel. Had not Moses... His chosen one stood before him in the breach or in the gap to turn away his wrath lest he destroy them. Think about that. What did Moses do? Moses saw there was a gap, saw there was this breach, saw there was this place where there needed to be leadership. There needed to be someone that would stand up. And what does he do? He says, I'll stand up for that. I'll vouch for these people. And it made all the difference. And this is what Aaron did. Similarly in the book of Numbers. Chapter 16 beginning in verse 44. We'll read just a couple of verses here. In chapter 16 verse 44. The Lord spoke to Moses and he said in verse 44. Get away from among this congregation. So that I can consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it. Take it quickly to the congregation. Make atonement for them. For the wrath has gone out from the Lord and the plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put the incense and made atonement for his people. And he stood between the dead and the living so that the plague was stopped. See, all these different passages are saying the same thing. It just takes one person to make all the difference. Someone once said or was quoted that when one person stands up to make a difference, that's all it takes because that's what's always been required is one person to make a difference. Think about some of the greatest leaders of all time who've made an impact on the world stage or on America's stage. You think about what great Bible characters have done, whether it be Aaron or Moses or David or Jesus who stood in the gap and spread his arms out on the cross. The fact is, is you and I can do this. We can stand and defeat sin, stand and serve others. So what about 2021? What about the gaps in 2021? Let me ask these three questions for your benefit, for my benefit. These are not just questions that you need to answer, but these are questions that I need to ponder as well. Have I been guilty of sin that has caused a gap in my personal life? And I need to stand in that gap and say no more and stop the bleeding. I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to talk that way, whatever the case may be. What about in your family life? Whether it be as a father, whether it be as a mother, maybe as a child, maybe as a spouse. There's so many different avenues wherein we serve one another in our family. And thirdly, what about in the church's life? Am I guilty of sin that's caused a gap here? And then... 
Have I ever been less than dutiful in seeking opportunity to strengthen gaps, even if I don't benefit? Because ultimately, we all benefit from when we stand in the gap. But sometimes making the selfless choice to say, you know what? I can provide that meal. I can give that ride. I can teach that class. I can help teach that class. I can serve in so many different ways. And I want to be of service and stand in the gap of the wall. And in 2021, you are needed. There is not a single person who is here this morning that is inconsequential to this congregation. Think about that. I don't say that just because I have to or just because I'm just trying to be wishful and optimistic. I truly believe, and I think you would join with me, every Christian is consequential. Every saint is important and plays a role that is vital. And that includes you. So someone said, well, this is just a pep talk. Well, in some ways, I, I hope you do feel better. But it's also, I hope, an encouraging thing to those who are not Christians to say, you know what? I need to be a part of the Lord's church. I need to be saved because there's a gap that I can fill. And we would welcome the opportunity to help you in that process today. Thank you so much for your kind attention. If you are one of those individuals who is not a Christian, you are not a child of God, you've never been baptized to have your sins washed away, we would welcome the opportunity to either A, baptize you this morning. We're ready to do so. There's nothing that stands in our way and as long as you believe and are willing to confess your, your faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins. Or if you want to study more about that, maybe you're not there yet. We'll study with you. We'll take the time to try to convince you and help you get to that place because we want to help you to serve God and to stand in the gap. If you have sinned as a child of God and you'd like for prayers of brothers and sisters and you want us to be there to help you in difficult times, we would be ready and are ready to help you spiritually. If we can help, let us know while together we stand, while we sing.